Good morning. Our scripture reading today comes from 2 Kings 5, verses 1 to 14. We will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, but if you'd like to follow along in your pew Bibles, that is found on page 576. Our second reading comes from the New Testament, Mark 10, verses 41 to 45, and that can be found on page 1,572 in your pew Bibles. The Healing of Naaman. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favor with his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now the Arameans, on one of their raids, had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord just what the girl from the land of Israel had said. And the king of Aram said, Aram said, Go then, and I will send along a letter to the king of Israel. He went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of garments. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you my servant Naaman, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give death or life that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Just look and see how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come, that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go, wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became angry and went away, saying, I thought that for me he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Parfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in a rage. But his servants approached and said to him, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more then, how much more when all he said to you was, wash and be clean? So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the, like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. Now our New Testament passage, Mark 10. And just a quick introduction to that passage. It was two of Jesus' disciples named James and John. They have just asked Jesus that when he comes into his glory, that one of them might sit at his right hand and the other on his left hand, that they might sit in the positions of power. When the ten heard this, they, became, they began to be angry with G James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, 
You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. People loved by God. In a book that I recently read, a mother, father, and their 10-year-old son are, are driving from their home in New York to the family cottage in the Ottawa Valley. The 10-year-old boy is wearing a T-shirt that's big enough for a man. It's a hot day. As they are driving, the boy who is wedged in the back seat between the hot car window and a pile of pillows asks, Mom, Dad, what is the worst thing that you have ever done? A surprising question coming from a 10-year-old. What is the worst thing that you have ever done? It's a hard question to answer. What about the opposite question? What's the best thing that you have ever done? It, too, is hard to answer. What is the best thing that you have ever done? I'm thinking of the Naaman story. If asked, the young slave girl may have said, the best thing that I have ever done is to direct my master to the prophet in Israel. Others may have said that it was the worst thing that she ever did because they wanted to see Naaman's leprosy progress. Best, worst, it's ambivalent. The same is true for Naaman's servants. If asked, they may have said that the best thing that they ever did was to encourage their master to bathe in the Jordan. But others may have said that's the worst they ever did. It depends. It depends on how a person feels about Naaman. Was he a good guy? 
or was he a man easy to hate? On the first reading of our text, it appears that he was a good guy. His slave girls showed concern for him. His servants pleaded with him to do what is easy. The Lord gave him victory over Israel. It appears that he was a good man. But was he? I'm not so sure. What do you think? Was he a good person? It's true. His slave girl showed concern for him. It's possible. It's possible that this tells us more about the young slave girl than it tells us about Naaman. It's true. God gave him victory over Israel. In the Old Testament, there are numerous times when God uses an enemy king, an enemy nation, whom God has no use for, to, to achieve his desires for Israel. It is possible, it is possible that Naaman's victory tells us more about how God felt about God's people, Israel, at this moment in her history than it tells us about Naaman. Do you agree? Maybe. <laughs> Who is Naaman? How would God's people have felt about Naaman? The text tells us that he was the commander of the Aramean army. He was the big guy. We are told that he was a great man. Think rich. He was rich because he plundered silver and gold, took captive men, women, children as slaves when he defeated other nations. He was highly favored by the king, the text says. Not because he was a nice man, but because he was successful. He was a mighty warrior, skilled, brutal, efficient. 
He led raids numerous times on Israeli territory. He, together with his soldiers, when invading Israel, destroyed their infrastructure, killed Israeli children, women, and men. Now, I suspect that many Israelites, if they knew, if they knew that he had leprosy, I suspect that many would wish that 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 leprosy would continue so that he could never lead a military campaign against them again. I suspect that he was hated by the Israeli people. What about the young slave girl? She showed concern to her master. He literally tore her away from everything she loved, her mom, her dad, her brothers, her sisters, her friends, her family. He placed her in a strange home where they spoke a strange language and ate strange food. He, be, he made her a slave, which meant that she was owned by him. He owned her like a person owns a refrigerator. He determined what she did and when she did it. Her body was his to do with as he pleased, placing her in constant danger. In her situation, I would have hated my master for abducting me for taking away my freedom, for making me an object of possession. Why? Why did, why did she direct her master to the prophet in Israel? Most of her people, I'm sure, would have been delighted if the leprosy just continued, would have been delighted if he could never lead another military campaign. I mean, why? Why did she direct her master to healing? Like I said, Her concern tells us more about her than about Naaman. She was a Hebrew. Every Sabbath, she recited the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and with all your soul. She heard the Torah read 
love your neighbor. She knew the story of God's love. She worked through the injustice. Her anger, her hate, and this may have taken months, but when she reached the other side, in obedience, she directed her master toward the prophet in Israel with love. She creates beauty. This is the norm in God's kingdom. To be a servant, serving with love. What about Naaman's servants? In that day, a servant was essentially a slave. Maybe a person who was so indebted that he could not get out of that debt that he sold himself to the debtor, becoming his debtor's slave. More often, a person, a free person, taken captive by another commander in a military campaign. And typically, a servant-slash-slave was oppressed had little use for his or her master. The way the narrator tells the story, Naaman's servants slash slaves, their act mirrors the act of the young slave girl like the young slave girl, they worked through the injustice, their anger, their hate. And on the other side, they encouraged their master to, to do what is easy with love. They created beauty. This is a norm in God's kingdom to be a servant who serves with love. In response to the young slave girl and the servants slash slaves of Naaman, in response to their act, God turns God's face towards Naaman. God moves to Naaman with compassion. And God comes alongside him, who is an enemy of God's people. In an amazing act of grace, God instructs the prophet Elijah to tell Naaman to bathe in the waters of the Jordan. And in 
courage by his slaves slash servants. Naaman walks into the waters of the Jordan and he immerses himself seven times and he comes up clean. God redeems an enemy. God creates beauty. Friends, this tells us more about God, about God's compassion and God's grace, than it tells us about Naaman. the action of the young slave girl, the action of the servants slash slaves of Naaman, and God's response points to Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul wrote concerning Jesus, Philippians 2, though Jesus was in the form of God, He did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. He emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. He humbled himself. He became obedient even to the point of death even death on a cross. In the Garden of Gethsemane, confronted with injustice, with brutality, with possibly his own anger and fear, Jesus prayed, Father, If it is possible, may this cup of suffering pass over me. And after those words, Jesus prayed, not mine, but your will be done. And Jesus worked through the injustice the brutality, possibly his anger, his fear. And on the cross he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus forgives. Jesus creates beauty. Jesus gives his life. This is the norm in the kingdom of God, to be a servant who serves. God, in response to Jesus' act, turns his face towards those who are rebelling. God, in response to Jesus' act, 
comes alongside and walks with compassion beside sinners. And in an amazing act of grace, God forgives sinners, you and me. And mysteriously washes us clean with the blood of Jesus. God creates beauty. God redeems. The norm in God's kingdom is to be a servant who serves. This is what the young slave girl did. This is what the servants slash slaves of Naaman did. This is what Jesus did. Jesus articulates this in our New Testament reading. Just before the lines that we read, James and John came to Jesus with a request, a bold request. They requested that when Jesus comes into his glory, that they might sit one at his right hand and one at his left, at a place or in a place of power. And Jesus responds, saying that for a person to become great, a person must first become a servant. For a person to become first, a person must first become a slave. And then Jesus said, the Son of Man, has not come to be served, but to serve. And friends, to use a cliche, this is where the rubber hits the fan. In an act of gratitude for what God slash Jesus has done for you and me, believers, you and I, are called to serve with love. If you, are, uh, if you are married, this means to serve your partner with love. If a parent, it means to serve your child with love. If a sibling, to serve your brother, sister, with love, a friend to serve your friend with love, an adult child to serve your aged parent with love. As a member of the human family, it means to serve the poor and broken with love. And this is the hard part. Well, serving is hard, period. But the hard part is we're called to love, to serve with love, our enemy. Our enemy is the person who wronged us, 
who has made us angry. And if we're honest, who we hate. You and I are called to work through the injustice, our anger, our hate, and to serve with love, to create beauty. This is what the young slave girl, the servants slash slaves of Naaman did. And what was the result? Naaman met God and was made clean. This is what Jesus did. And what was the result? His life became a ransom for many. And sinners, you and I, are made clean. When you and I serve others with love, the person we serve meets Jesus and experiences healing. We create beauty. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen.